Now, before I speak to you this morning, I wanted to say something to encourage your hearts, uh, and especially the new attendants, uh, new attenders at worship services with us over these past weeks, uh, and possibly have never heard any teaching on Daniel or Revelation or the areas that I've been in. Be patient. I will never forget when I first came to Christ as my personal Savior and really came to know the Lord in a wonderful way. And I had the privilege of sitting under the teaching of one of the greatest teachers. But I never forget, it was Donald Gray Barnhouse. And I sat under his teaching for, I guess, over four years. It was a great background for me because he taught me in Romans and Hebrews two tremendous books. But I'll never forget when I first went to his class. And after the class, he knew I was newly saved. After the class, he asked, he said, Martin, could I see you for a few minutes? And I went over to him and he said, now, one thing I want to say to you. He said, I noticed that as I talk and as I preach, at some points you look a little puzzled. And he said, all I ask you to do is this. Would you tell me that you will come for the next 12 weeks without stopping? And I can assure you, if you come for the next 12 weeks, you'll never stop. And I can remember what that meant to me because I determined then, it was true that as he spoke, there were many things that I did not fully grasp. It would be much like, uh, Peter, when he speaks about Paul in his epistle, and he says, Paul hath many things to say to you that are hard to understand. And many, he said, have wrestled with and grappled with and have not understood. So all I say is just be faithful to the house of God like you're being right now. And trust the Lord to open your hearts as we study the scriptures together. And as we look into things that are not too often discussed. And as you know, I have been discussing over these past uh, few weeks with you, uh, Satan. Because I believe that we're in the last days, certainly before Jesus returns. And if there's one thing we are to understand, it is the doctrine of Satan. Because if we do not, we cannot understand the present days we're living in, we cannot understand why there is evil in the world, for there is no answer to this. Why there is sin in the world? For God is not the author of sin. So we are to go beyond all scientific research, back beyond the beginnings of all of the satellites placed in their positions, back to the very beginnings where God created Lucifer, who became Satan. Lucifer means the shining one. He was the chosen cherub of God. He's called in the scriptures the cherub that covereth. He was the one whom God created. Remember, he is a creation of God. Lucifer, the shining one. And he is the, was the head of the angelic creation. 
of God. God created the angels. They were never born. They have no genealogy. Angels are the same age now as the day they were created. They never change. There is no such thing as male and female. God could at any point create as many more angels as he desires. He may be creating them now. I do not know. But certainly, if the angels are the ministering spirits to the saints, over the ages and ages and ages, it's entirely possible that the angelic creation has also increased in proportion, as God has desired it to increase. But they are complete in their creation. They can never die. They will live forever. That is hard for us to fathom. We were made a little lower than the angels, and Jesus was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. That's what Hebrews tells us. Because the angels could not die. So Jesus was made a little lower that he might suffer death. He was made like a man. And so, in the beginning, God created Lucifer. And unfortunately, this one, this shining one, into his heart, for God made them free-willed, just as he has made man, into his heart came the conception of the possibility of rising above the throne of God. For remember, he is second in intelligence and power to God himself. No one else has this power. Human beings are far below him in power. In Jude, it says this concerning him that when Michael the archangel, now here is the highest of angelic creations below Lucifer, Michael the archangel disputed with Satan over the body of Moses. These are deep things. Michael said to him, let the Lord rebuke thee. Because Michael, the archangel, knowing the dignity and the power of his position, said, I cannot rebuke thee. Only the Lord himself can rebuke thee. The dignity of his position. Remember, in his original place, he brought all of the worship of the angels to God. He was the one whom God made ruler over all this world. The heavens were his domain. He could enter God's presence at any time. The earth was his. The system of which we're part was all his. He was the prince of what? Jesus says the prince of this world. Jesus says he is the God of this world even unto this hour. Jesus says, the whole world lies in what? Darkness. 
even unto this hour. Why is the world in darkness? Because of Satan. His name was Lucifer. He was jealous of God. He had pride in his heart. In Isaiah 14, I read you last week, he said, And I will place my throne above the throne of God. And God says, Because thou hast done this thing, I will cast thee out. And with him, he took a whole legion of angels with him and swept them out as Revelation 12 tells us, and took them with him so that he has his angels and God has his angels. You see the tremendous scene of God and the greatest delusion of the devil, Satan, Lucifer, has been to deceive the hearts of men. And the reason the world is in this chaotic condition which is in today is because they do not believe there is a spiritual power that is at war with God. And this great power, that war has been going on and going on and going on. And in jealousy and in pride, he sought the position above God and above the throne of God. He whom God said, thou art the cherub that covereth, thou art my protector, thou art he who shall bring to me all the worship of the angels unto me. And instead of that, Lucifer got this idea in his mind and I will take the worship to myself and place my throne above the throne of God. I'm second in power, second in intelligence, and he thought he could have a coup d'etat and take the power from God. Just as nations on the earth today, we hear week by week of coup d'etat. Some army captain, some group, some general decide we'll take the power from him. And so you see repeated in history, all down through history, the nations as kings are beheaded and their own sons try by coup d'etats to take the power from their fathers or their uncles or somebody. And this was exactly the warfare of Satan with God. And in great pride and great jealousy, he sought that. And the world is deluded and Jesus calls him the father of lies. He looks at all the people upon the earth. Jesus is speaking, not me. And he says to the people on the earth, you are of your father the devil. You are all sinners. There's none righteous, no, not one. And ye do the works of your father the devil. Now this is sin. What did God do in his mighty plan? Here was the crown prince. Here was the one who was below God. Here was the Trinity, which has existed from eternity past in Genesis. It tells us about God making man. And Satan was cast out, and for the ages and ages and ages, Darkness dwelt upon this earth. It was chaotic in form because not of man's rebellion, but of Satan's rebellion. And darkness came upon the face of the deep. And the earth was out form and void. It had nothing. The dinosaurs and the 
great creatures of the past all perished. All of the so-called man, which is not man, there were creatures here before, and they may have even looked somewhat like man, but they were not man created in God's image because that did not come until the earth was restored to form and Adam came forth. How do we know that? Because when Adam comes forth, Lucifer, who has been cast out of heaven, immediately this tremendous jealousy comes up in his heart again, for he was given all the kingdoms of the world. In Matthew 4, in the temptation of Jesus Christ, by Satan, Jesus speaks to Satan personally. And what does Satan say to him? Satan says this, notice, Bow down and worship me, and I will give you what? The kingdoms of this world. Isn't that amazing? I'll give you the kingdoms of this world if you'll bow down and worship me. When Adam came, here was Satan who had been given domain over the earth. And suddenly, man comes formed in God's image and likeness, as the Scripture says. And Satan, who is the prince of the powers of the air and the god of this world, seeing Adam come forth, looks down. And what does God say to Adam? Adam, I want you to, notice the word, replenish the earth. Do it again. And you will be him who hath domain over the earth. And Satan's raging heart now seeing God is doing this. He's bringing Adam into the world. And this domain which is mine, he's giving you to the hands of man. And so what does he do? He wars as the serpent. And as I told you last week, the meaning of the word serpent is nakash. Nakash means the shining one. He still is beautiful. And he comes to Adam and to Eve. He comes to Eve. He deceives her. The scripture says Adam was not deceived, but Eve was deceived. And he comes to Eve and he deceives her. And he says, God doesn't want you to eat of that tree because if you eat of that tree, you will have the knowledge of good and evil. And God wants to keep that from you. You'll be like who? God. That's what the word says. That's the temptation he came with. You'll be like God. Man, be like God. And so he tempts him. He tempts Eve. And Eve takes of the fruit the tree, not an apple, of the knowledge of good and evil. And she falls for the temptation of Satan. And Satan has great victory. He now has the first man and the first woman under his power. And Jesus says, in Adam all die. Because Adam sinned. And Satan in his great jealousy believes he has won a great victory. 
And so sin came into the world, as we read this morning. It came into the world, and Romans says, it came into the world by Adam. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. He was tempted. He fell. And here this tremendous tempter, who was warring against God, remember, he still feels in his heart that somehow he is going to be like God. How do we know that? Because when we get to Revelation and we find the Antichrist and all the world is told to worship him. And he says, I will be as God and I will set myself up in the temple, an image of me, and all the world shall worship me. And if a man will not worship me and will not receive my mark upon him, he shall die because he can neither buy nor sell in the marketplace. And the day is coming. The day is coming. Harry Heddick gave me a, a little article. I don't know whether I brought it with me. But anyway, it was an article on, on numbers. And it seems that in Germany, they are assigning numbers to everybody. Well, I guess we have one too. Everybody has a number. I know my number. Do you know yours? 061104677. Everybody has a number. In Germany, they're giving everyone about 12 to 14 numbers. Those numbers will tell where you were born, the date you were born, the year you were born. They will tell everything that they can about you by numbers. It is a large computing machine idea. Everybody will have a number. And those numbers will be retained by the computer till 30 years after you die. And at the end of 30 years after you're dead, those numbers that are in Germany in their computing machines will be thrown away. In other words, that's the end of you. But 30 years, at least after your death, they keep a number. Now, in Revelation 13, the last verse there, it tells you that the number of the beast, the number that Satan is going to demand will be put upon us is the number 666. That's the number that he has. Only three numbers. But that unless those upon the earth should have the number of the beast upon them, or the mark of the beast, that they would not be able to buy or sell in the marketplace. That number 666 fascinates me just for a minute because it's a tremendous theme. God says this in that Revelation 13, if, I can, if you just want to turn to it a second. Revelation 13 and the end of the chapter. I'll read just the last uh, three verses. This is speaking of the last days and the Antichrist, the one who will be practically the incarnation of Satan, indwelt by Satan, let me put it that way. And notice these verses. And he causes all, this Antichrist, the false prophet with him, both small and great, rich and poor, doesn't matter who you are, free and bond. This is going to make a bit of difference how much money you got in the bank. You can have your stocks and bonds and everything else and won't do you a bit of good because you can't use them. He says it doesn't matter who you are, rich or poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. Now, you know, when I, heard, when I read this, 
Right away, I thought of when I, I don't know where I was, some place recently. But anyway, they mocked my hand as I went into this place. And then when they said, you can go out, oh, I think it was up to, uh, to the uh, Sturbridge or something. And when, I, when you go out, all you have to do is put this under a light, and the light will show whether you can get back in again. And I thought, well, that's easy to see. You know, you can put a mark on your hand so that they know whether you're identified with this Antichrist. Notice what it says. No man might buy or sell, or in their foreheads, that no man might buy or sell. Now, let me tell you, if you can't buy or sell, you're finished. You're finished. No man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Then he says this, here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred, three score, and six. That is six hundred and sixty-six. Now, the Antichrist and the false prophet and Satan are the unholy trinity. There is the divine trinity of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Then there is the unholy trinity, Satan, Antichrist, and the false prophet. Perfect duplication. The number of Satan and the false prophet and the Antichrist is 666. If I might say the number of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost is 777. For seven is the number of perfection. In six days God made heaven and earth, and the seventh day he rested and saw that all things were good. Perfection. So that here is Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet of the last days, 666, and God is saying to man, now here is wisdom, you better understand it. I am up here, perfection, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And those just below me and before man's power or anything to do with man are Satan, whom I gave great power from the beginning, and the Antichrist and the false prophet. Remember, their power will be tremendous. But I yet stand above them in power. Satan decided, beloved, that he would take Adam and bring the whole race down under sin. But God, in his foreknowledge, saw it all coming. He saw Adam's fall. And right in Genesis 3.15, he starts right off by saying to Satan, I will place enmity between thy seed and the woman's seed. Thou shalt bruise his heel, but he shall crush thy head. And then for the long centuries, the warfare continued between Satan and God and man on earth, everyone a sinner. And Satan has the victory as far as God's permissive will is concerned. He is the God of this world. 
there are just 5,000 or 6,000 years of recorded history. In all of that recorded history, there is 300 years of peace on this earth without war. That's all. Satan is the god of this world. When Jesus Christ came into the world, what was the desire of Satan? To kill him! Why do you think Herod sought the child that he might slay him? Because Satan is the prince of this world and the motivator of all political movements. And Herod sought to slay the child. Why? Because this was the deliverer who should come. This was the divine son of God and Satan knew it. And so all down through Christ's life, his great jealousy shows. Because what is God going to do with Jesus? What has he promised Jesus? He says to Jesus, thou shalt be the inheritor of all the earth. All things were made by thee and for thee. I made nothing in this universe except I made it for you, my dear son. It is for you. All of these other things were in the plan. But you were the one who was to come. And out of the great defeat of Satan, of Adam and Eve and all mankind, so that all the world lies in darkness, God sends Jesus. And Jesus is the one who is to be the Savior, who is to suffer death for every man, for our sin that he might bring us to God, God's divine ultimate plan. And Satan wars against the seed. And time after time, Jesus says, when they sought to slay him, it says, and they sought to slay him. But he said, mine hour is not yet come. And so at the cross you can figure that all of the Satan and all of the legions, the angelic hordes, are all shouting in glee. We have him. We have the divine seed. We have him on the cross of Calvary. He's going to be slain by the Jews. And that will finish it. And Satan is saying to all of his cohorts and all the demonic legions, we shall continue to control the world. What did I read you last week? Why did Jesus come into the world, beloved? Why? That he might deliver us from what? from the works of Satan. That's why he came. And so here is shouting in the glee of all of the hordes of Satan as the crucifixion takes place. And Peter says in Acts 2, you, Israel, by your wicked hands, you have taken and crucified the Christ. But God hath raised him from the dead because it was not possible that death could hold him. And here now he is a risen Savior rising from the dead to assure us, his own, that Satan 
can never hold us. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. Satan's great jealousy and his pride, he tried to, with Adam, he brought him down into sin. With Jesus, he tried to slay him before he ever became the seed that should take away the sin of the world. And here now, beloved, are you and I in this great conflict. And Jesus keeps warning us, Satan is still here. Satan has the whole world under his power. Look at the nations. Look at the United States. Do you believe the United States is worshiping Jesus Christ with all its heart, its soul, and its mind? Look at the nations of the world. Where is God brought into the picture? Where? Where? Where is their true worship? Beloved, it doesn't exist. The whole world, God says, lies in darkness. Jesus repeats it unto this hour. And he warns us Satan is going about like a roaring lion, devouring whomever he will. He says, remember that you may be able to stand against the wiles of Satan. Ephesians 6. Wiles in the Greek means his power and his craftiness. He deceives men into believing he doesn't exist. And in the very deception, he brings doubt upon Christ's existence and the saviorhood of Jesus. Because if Satan doesn't exist, you don't need Christ and Christ need never have come. There's no reason for Jesus Christ coming into this world as the Son of God and dying for men's sin unless sin came into the world. And sin did not come into the world except Satan tempted Adam and Eve, and they fell. And so sin passed upon all men because in Adam all sinned. And so the minute that you deny Satan, you're doing just what he wants to do. Some people deny him by saying, I don't believe he exists. That's just what he wants. He's got the whole world believing that. How many people in this world we live in believe there's a satanic power and his great angelic legions? And yet this is why hell was prepared. Jesus says it was prepared for Satan and his angels. So, beloved, there's no hell then. You see what happens? If you get rid of Satan, you get rid of hell, you get rid of everything. And every man does as he thinks is right in his own eyes then. Doesn't make a bit of difference. I listen to some young people and older people too on television with Dr. DeHaan. Amazing to listen to them. Young collegians, others, and he would say to them, what do you think about Jesus Christ? One older person said, well, I believe he, he undoubtedly did some good. He was a good teacher, but I think they credit him too much. Some young people said, we believe he was a good teacher. Other young people said, we believe he's the way. And Dr. DeHaan turned and he said, what do you mean when you say the way? Do you mean that he was the divinely born son of God? Oh, no. We believe that he teaches you how to go. So that somehow, at the end of the road, it might turn out all right. But he's not the divine son of God. 
This is Satan's greatest delusion. If he can get us not to believe in him or to look at, I said last week, at the pictures there are and all kinds of posters you see with Satan with horns on his head and red tights and a tail and pitchfork and all of that. Beloved, let me tell you something. You're demeaning somebody. May I say this? You are demeaning somebody who has greater dignity than you'll ever know. This is God's most dignified creation, and not sons, but his most dignified creation. And as Jude says, Michael the archangel would not bring rebuke against him, but said to Satan, let the Lord rebuke you. That's not my place. We've brought him down and tried to make him, if we believe in him at all, a little lower than dirt. Let me tell you something. You better not look down at this creation because this creation has you in his ballywick if you're not saved. That's number one, if you don't know Christ as your Savior. Number two, if you are saved and you're not living for Jesus and you're living in sin and you have departed from the faith like you never should have done as a son of God, then, beloved, he has duped you into believing he doesn't exist. But if Satan doesn't exist then Christ doesn't exist. Because Jesus says, I was tempted of Satan in the wilderness, and he tempted me, and he told me he would give me the kingdoms of the earth. You're denying what the Word of God says when it tells us that sin came in through Satan. And if there's no sin in this world, like the Christian scientist says, if there's no sin in this world, then just as the Christian scientist says, the blood of Jesus Christ is of no value. But I remind you that God tells us there is sin in this world and the reason it's here is because Satan brought it and Satan is the God of this world and Satan is the prince of this world and Satan is the prince of the powers of the air and Satan is the one against whom we wrestle. So that Paul says in Ephesians 6, we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. He says, we don't wrestle against men. If I had to battle against another man about sin, I'd have a chance to win. But if my adversary is Satan, and I do not have Jesus Christ dwelling in me, who says, if I dwell in you, greater am I that dwells in you, than he that is in the world. That's how you're going to get the victory. That's why I came. That I might give you power. Power to win the battle of life and to win the battle for eternity which you will possess when you are joint heirs with Jesus Christ of his heavenly kingdom. See it in all of its tremendousness. See it in all of the greatness of the panoramic scope of God in the cosmic conflict of the ages and see it don't blind yourself. Oh, how people do this. God says, having eyes you see not and having ears you hear not. You don't listen. And you are the pawn of Satan. Yes, you're my son, but I warned you he's going about like a roaring lion. He's devouring the children of God. He isn't making them that they're lost, but he's making them that they're ineffective. How? Because you deny he exists. 
and by that he takes you. Oh, beloved, that we might see this. You do not see God, and I close with this, but you believe in him. You do not see Jesus, but you believe in him. You do not see Satan. Don't you believe in him? You had better. Jesus says he's the God of this world and the prince of the powers of the air and the prince of this world. We had better believe because the great conflict is for your soul and it's where you're going to spend eternity either in the place prepared for Satan and his angels, the lake of fire, or heaven's glory, prepared for all those that receive Christ into their heart as their Savior. You make your choice. This is a time for choices. Choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and for my house, we will serve the Lord. We will love the Lord. We will believe on the Lord with all our hearts and win the battle against that enemy of our souls, Satan the adversary, the devil the accuser. Win it. Life isn't worth living unless you win. Rather never to have been born than not to believe there's a Satan because if you don't believe there's a Satan, you can't believe there's a Christ because you don't need a Christ if Satan isn't here. There's nothing can be done. If you deny Satan, you deny Christ because he tells us that this world is his kingdom and that the only reason he came is because Satan controlled his kingdom and he was going to redeem men out of this sin-sick world of death and sin and horror and war and take them one day either by death or by translation into his glorious presence that we should dwell with him forever in incorruptible bodies praise God fashioned like unto his glorious body. Ah, that's it. Win the battle. Don't be a loser. You only get one chance. All right? No two chances. One chance. Come to Jesus. Let's pray.